Well, welcome back in. It is the midweek, and we are off of a heavyweight battle in Los Angeles that keeps Andy Ruiz very relevant. We've got news involving apparently WBC heavyweight champion Tyson Fury's next fight date, but against whom? We're not quite sure. We're ready to talk about all of that and more on the latest edition of TopHeavyweights.com, the podcast. I'm the somewhat capable host, TJ Reeves. He is Sean from TopHeavyweights.com back aboard. Good to be with you once again. How are you feeling? We've got news. We've got fight results. We've got potential uh, Fury fight opponent to be determined coming up. How are you? Doing well, TJ. Hope you're well. Good to be here. There's a lot of excitement out there. Uh, Ruiz and Ortiz sort of lit the spark, and it would appear that the fire is still burning, and the wick and the 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 thing is still buzzing, and something's about to happen. It's going to be a pretty exciting next few weeks, and who knows, we may end up with a real finish of the year. So there's a lot of uh, interesting things cooking, and it's not just. I mean, we all have to be, we're boxing fans, so we have to be a little skeptical all the time. But um, from my experience, and maybe we'll make reference to it later, there's, uh, there's something to all this. Well, certainly we have more action, more fights scheduled, and apparently a willingness, at least on Tyson Fury's part, to be back in the ring a second time before this calendar year is up. So that's not a that's not a bad thing if that's the case. Uh, let me say up front what I do all the time when we do these shows, however you found us, through a social media link, through Sean's site, topheavyweights.com, whether it's us helping through bigfightweekend.com, you found us on the Big Fight Weekend podcast feed. We come here, I pledge, and Sean loves it when I say it regularly. We come here regularly. Uh, when the developments warrant, when the fight results warrant, uh, you don't have to worry about when it is that we're here because you will get automatically notified when we have a new one if you're following or subscribing. Just simply go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, follow uh, the Big Fight Weekend podcast feed. When there's a new heavyweight, topheavyweights.com podcast, you'll get it automatically. You'll get notified. You will know uh, that we are out. Just know that when there is a significant heavyweight bout in and around it, you're probably going to get a new podcast here uh, from topheavyweights.com. So with that disclaimer out of the way, let's get right into it. We're a couple of days removed from last Sunday night at the time we're talking here on the podcast. In Los Angeles, Andy Ruiz back in the ring gets a 12-round decision win. I've made a bunch of feelings known. Dan Rayfield and I went back and forth recapping it. The floor is yours. What were your thoughts on Ruiz scoring some knockdowns against the 43-year-old Cuban Luis King Kong Ortiz and then eventually getting the decision win. Your thoughts, Sean? Well, first of all, Andy Ruiz barely made it, made it over the line, which brings him to the next level, brings him to the next challenge, and he is still considered and is considered an up-and-coming former unified heavyweight champion. So he is definitely on his way to climbing the ladder again, meaning a, pros- a possible showdown with uh, Deontay Wilder should he get through Robert Hellenius, which is no given. And um, it was a it was a it was an edgier seat kind of fight. I think there were uh, stretches where there was less activity, and you kind of wanted more action. But when there was action, it was it was about as intense as you'd want it to be. Uh, I think Ortiz showed in that fight that he's he belongs where he is or where he was in the rankings. He is and is a top guy, a top ten guy, and I think the way he performed. I think a lot of the flack he's received over the last three years has been unmerited. 
because there were mm. very few, there are very few guys in the world that could have gone in with Andy Ruiz and delivered that kind of a, a back and forth um, action. And especially when in the second round he was down twice. So I'm putting the yeah. same question to you that I put to Dan Rayfield. I thought the fight was a punch or two away from being over right there. What did you think watching live as yeah. Ortiz got out of that second round and then made it a fight, made it a distance fight? Yeah, I think he showed that he's got the defensive capabilities, he's got the ring smarts, and if he needs to, he can turn on the fire to make Ruiz back up. And I think Ruiz made mention of that in the post-fight um, interviews where he said, uh, people ask me, why didn't I go for the finish? Well, uh, Ortiz threw things back at him. And if you look at some of those images and photos and replays, uh, Ortiz was on the verge of putting Ruiz down himself. So it was that kind of a danger fight. Both guys had enough artillery to make the other person very hesitant. Ortiz combined that with his defensive skills and his huge pedigree and background to, um, yeah, to get through the next round and, frankly, probably win the next round. And um, I would say he probably won more rounds than Ruiz, but Ruiz's knockdowns, as you made reference to, really closed the closed the gap. And... Um, I think, you know, I've always been a Ruiz fan. I didn't, I've never liked the flack he's received, but as one of his fans, I have to say that it's his punch resistance that might have let him down a little bit in this fight. And I think the punch resistance of Andy Ruiz kept him in the fight. Um, and of course, Andy Ruiz's fast hands and Ortiz's skills, but I think for Ortiz, his issue right now is not that he can't compete, it's just that does he have the, the resistance? Um, and I think his resistance is going down. Um, and we believe he's 43. Yeah. He yeah. may be older. The Cubans are always mysterious with what's somebody's actual age, and usually they list them younger than they are. Uh, it, look, even if he is 43, the fact that he hung in there it deserves hung, credit for that. Yeah, hung in there, and anyone watching that without knowing what we've said or what anyone's written, if they were just watching that as a top-level heavyweight showdown, without any of the lead-up, commentary the impression one would get is that you had two evenly matched belonged in the ring there was nothing about that fight that would make anyone say oh it was a travesty or oh it shouldn't have happened or da 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 da, da. I, I, I just think Luis Ortiz showed that yeah he's he belonged in the ring with Andy Ruiz no doubt about it and if you were expecting Ruiz uh, Ortiz to win you weren't that wrong Ended up being a close fight. Ended up being a close fight. Okay, so uh, I understand. They get in the ring, they throw punches, and and Ruiz has had a big moment, the biggest of moments with the upset of Anthony Joshua. However, we once again now see, after he was out of shape in the Joshua rematch, we we see the dad bod, as we'll call it. We we saw the dad bod against Chris Ariola last year. We see it again here. I think we just have to accept the fact that he's an overweight, smaller guy with fast hands, and what you see is what you're going to get here. I don't know that there's greatness there. I, I maybe I'm being overly critical. I think mm-hmm. you're. I think you're seeing a guy. He is what he is, right? Well, he is. He is what he is. And uh, but he's shown even in the second Joshua fight, there was if you get in close into an exchange with Andy Ruiz mm-hmm. Jr. It's a very daunting proposition. I think for Joshua and for Ortiz, who got dropped by uh, Ruiz when they were in the pocket, um, close. He can throw punches close with incredible power, and he can throw them incredibly fast. So um, if he's in shape to take a lot and to be there in the 12th round, which he was against Ortiz, 
uh, he's a, but again, Joshua may have, uh, you know, put together the playbook in terms of how to deal with uh, or uh, Ruiz, which is just to box him and not to mm. let it get in close. Okay, so I was around a couple of guys Sunday night that were watching the pay-per-view with me, um, and neither one of them are hardcore boxing fans, but they know about Deontay Wilder. One of them volunteered immediately, like midway through the fight. Deontay Wilder destroys this guy, meaning Andy Ruiz, just because of the size and the right hand. We're going to get more into that here in a moment or two yeah, on yeah. what might happen with that. We'll get more into Wilder Hellenius, and if Wilder wins, what happens, blah, blah, blah. But what about that argument that just in general, a bigger fighter, I'm not saying he'd get in there with Tyson Fury, but a bigger fighter with a bigger punch is going to handle Andy Ruiz because he's a smaller guy that apparently doesn't have a bit, couldn't finish Ortiz off the other night, should have been able to, but couldn't do it. So what, what about that argument? Bigger guy, bigger punch. First of all, I just have to, you know, part a little with what I don't think it was that he couldn't stop Ruiz. It's that he made the decision not to, take the risk to stop Ortiz. Um, he could have. But for him... Well, why didn't got, he then? Because it he might have, have been ended, an emphatic he might, win. Because he might have ended up on the seat of his pants or he might have ended up looking at the referee while he was counting 10. Um, we have to consider how hard these guys punch. Uh, there's a photo of I don't of Andy, disagree. And yeah, he was and, getting hit. And he was getting yeah, hit. I agree with so, that. So, uh, yeah, any heavyweight at this level, if they hit you right and you don't see it coming, um, it could be lights out. So um, I think Ruiz was sensitive to that. Uh, I think Joshua was sensitive to it when he was fighting Ruiz in Saudi Arabia the second Valid time. point. Valid um, points. So, I'm so, agreeing with you on that. Yeah, so I just think Ruiz is a dangerous guy. If he and, and he does have the ability, if he wants to, and if he's in shape, and when I say in shape, I don't mean that he's going to look like Anthony Joshua, but I mean in terms of his style of physical being, he's in good condition. If he is in good condition, he's got the ability to apply pressure and if he applies pressure, he's going to get close. He's got a great chin. That means he can take it. And uh, I wouldn't underestimate an in-shape, determined Andy Ruiz against any other heavyweight. Mm, interesting. If, I don't if, go, but I don't I don't, go that I don't, far. But I don't think... I see what I see, and I yeah. see a guy that is limited size-wise. I see a guy that has a pretty good punch. Again, the fighter he was fighting was 43 years of age the other night and has been beaten twice already by Deontay Wilder. The fighter he fought last April, Chris Ariola, is long gone in terms mm -hmm. of being a heavyweight contender. So this but is not be me being anti-Ruiz. Anti I just could, am being but, realistic. I mean, we're having fun, but he couldn't have proven the potential of what he is more accurately than when he defeated an undefeated Anthony Joshua in Madison Square Gardens in 2019 on three weeks notice or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. How, I mean, you know, Joshua was not 41. Joshua was not 39. There was nothing Correct. we could say to say, oh, well, he beat a 39-year-old Joshua. What does but it let mean? Let me go historical he, because yeah. you love this, Sean, from TopHeavyweights.com. Buster Douglas did the same thing on a bigger magnitude level to Mike Tyson. For one mm -hmm. night, he put it together, was brilliant, knocked him out. It's the epic all-time upset. We get it. Ruiz Joshua deserves to be in a conversation probably of top five out of nowhere, heavyweight title upsets, the magnitude of what was going on. However, just like Buster Douglas was never that guy anymore from the February night in 1990, I think it, we now have enough of a sample size watching the Joshua rematch, watching him against Areola, watching him the other night to say 
this is what he is. And if he's in against a bigger, hard-punching fighter, he is in for a long night, if not a short, knocked-out night. So, so I guess what it's you're an argument, say- but go ahead. Fair enough. So I guess what you're saying is that uh, if uh, Andy Ruiz happens to end up fighting Robert Hellenius, he's in big trouble. Or Deontay Wilder. Or Deontay Wilder. But I'll I don't just know say that this. I don't but, know that Hellenius has the one-punch pop that Wilder has. That's what my concern in a future fight, and we'll morph this into that, I guess, now here in a second. It's the a different type of punch. punch yeah. bomb that Wilder yeah. can throw. I don't know. Maybe maybe Ruiz can take that punch. We're going to we're gonna find out. But, but Ruiz's response and comeback from his defeat to Joshua, if you just want to compare him to Buster Douglas... Um, He's already he's already done more to rebuild post somewhat. I agree he's done more than Buster Douglas, but again, it's a forty something year old Chris Ariola a year and a half ago. It's a forty three year old King Kong Ortiz. But I, but I who think got, yeah. who got knocked down a couple times by Gerald Washington, who I know you want to talk about in a second. I mean, let's I, I'm just it makes it sound like I'm anti Andy Ruiz. I'm just being realistic. I'm being realistic yeah, sure. on what I've now seen on enough of a sample, uh, enough of a sample size of four or five fights at this stage, that he is a B-level fighter. This is what he well, is. He's like the. I think he's number five in the world. He's pretty. Uh, he's right up there. I mean, who would you put? I mean, if you put him in the ring with Anthony jo- uh, with Anthony Joshua, who wins? I believe we saw it in the replay. Be- we put him in the ring. I'm just going to list. Yeah, based on we put him in the ring among contenders. If we put him in with Deontay Wilder, right. who wins? You mentioned well, Hellenius. Mm-hmm. Who well, wins? Hellenius is a little further down, but sure. No, I think right now, if you put Hellenius and Ruiz in the ring, the odds are the odds would favor Ruiz. Um, they would. Um, Interesting. But if he fought Joshua right now, I think Joshua would be the favorite in the sense that Joshua has the keys. And I don't think Ruiz has taken what he is and brought it to its optimum physical. Put Ruiz in yeah. with Joe Joyce, who wins. I made you pause. Who wins? Yeah. yeah, I guess that depends how much can Joe Joyce take and how much can Andy Ruiz take and can Andy Ruiz keep Joyce off him? And hmm, that's a, I mean, that would be an interesting fight. I, I can't say. Interesting. And the only, only reason, only reason I say I can't say is because again, I, I do agree with you that Andy Ruiz has to show a higher level of potential, but I think it's also that, Joe Joyce is sort of, in a sense, ascending into his potential. He hasn't been limited yet. So we, I can't say what his limitations are. Uh, we'll find out, I suppose, against Joe uh, Joseph Parker. But Coming um, up soon, right, right, Yeah, right. so I, I consider Joe Joyce to be a, a stock, if you will, that hasn't peaked yet. All right. Uh, Deontay Wilder was in the ring mm-hmm. after the Sunday night pay-per-view uh, was concluding at the Crypto.com Arena, the former Staples Center downtown L.A., yeah. It's clear that's what premier boxing champions wants is a Wilder Ruiz more so than Hellenius. Wilder's got to do his part and win that fight. Mm-hmm. Here we come back. How intrigued are you? If it is Wilder in particular on a scale of one to 10, 10, you're out of your mind. How intrigued are you by Wilder Ruiz? If that's what we're going to get, if it's a Wilder victory. Oh, it's like, uh, it's, it's a, it's a, it's an eight or a nine Fair. It's right up there. Meaning I'm excited. My friends will be talking about it. People will be interested in it. Um, it's intriguing. I think it's an intriguing matchup. Um, it's a chess match of who's going to make it their fight. Um, and I wouldn't. Uh, I would say Wilder has more vulnerabilities. 
Oh, uh, yes, in, there's in term, no doubt. There's yeah. no doubt he has vulnerability. No, but more, I would say he's more vulnerable to attack in the sense that uh, taking it and recovering. Right. We've seen him I've... get knocked out twice by Tyson Fury, and we've talked right. about this with other fighters, other fights throughout boxing. You've talked about it, written about it. I've talked about it. Others have talked about it. Once you've been knocked out a couple of times, you're a different guy, and yeah. Deontay Wilder can can try to put on the brave face or whatever, but if he's in against big punchers, that's going to be a concern because it's now happened a couple of times in, in the losses uh, he's taken. Um, and, Ruiz, so what is your and, Ruiz, and Ruiz has shown that when he's badly hurt or hit, square on dropped by joshua he was nailed by ortiz several times in ways that would have dropped and knocked out any heavyweight that was i mean yeah there was incredible stuff taken by ruiz um yeah i just think um ruiz's chin might carry him further than people think and his fast hands and his 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 decent power those are that's a combination that if you can apply pressure and get into the opponent's space, you're uh, you're there. I mean, if you put Ruiz in with any journeyman or anyone who's not um, at the very top, meaning top ten, he walks right through them. Interesting. You have yeah. more belief in him at this stage than I no, do. No, I'm this not stage. saying. Well, I don't. We're talking about Ruiz at the very top, right? We're talking about how he competes with the top seven or eight guys. We're not talking about Ruiz against. Uh, you know, I don't know, uh, Tony Yoka. Well, that'd be, a, that'd be an interesting fight. But anyways, the point is, I think Ruiz is still in the rebuild of his professional ambitions. Let's I agree. It. I agree with that. All right, so Wilder was in the ring. How did he look? A lot of people are making uh, comments and, and making assessments on how he looks. Mm -hmm. We're about a month away right now from him returning with Hellenius. It's interesting, neither one of them have fought in a year. I don't know how good either one of them are going to be. There's a lot riding on it for either one of them because now you're going to be in a marquee fight if you're the winner with Andy Ruiz where the winner of that fight can legitimately say, I deserve a title shot. And we'll get um, one. And in particularly, if it's Wilder and Ru Ruiz, you've got former heavyweight champions squaring yeah. off with the winner to get a title shot. But anyway, your thoughts on seeing Deontay Wilder? Oh. You heard them also talk on their virtual uh, press conference that they had recently in the last yeah. few days. What are your thoughts, Sean? Well, first of all, let me just say, yes, it is true that Hellenius ha will have been out of the ring for a year when uh, this happens on October 15th at the Barclays Center. However, he's he went back into training a few weeks after the second Kovnaki fight. He performed exceptionally well in that fight. He took no punishment in that fight. Uh, I think I saw an interview with him walking through the uh, the stadium court or whatever, and he just looked like a guy with his gym bag over his shoulder heading home. So he was fine. And he is focused on achieving his dream. He had given up on his dream. He had gone through a period of injuries and taking short money on short notice. He's... I think he's living the dream and I think he's training in a way that has never been, he's never trained like this before. So I don't think we're going to see a rusty Hellenius as far as Wilder. The impressions he's giving everyone is that he's sparring um, an enormous amount and he does seem to have a happy jovial demeanor. Again, is it a put on? I don't know. Um, but I consider that fight. We'll see the odds when they're posted. Um, but I think there's a lot to talk about from a, um, a wagering standpoint in terms of what that fight offers um i think wilder goes in the favorite you have to give him that high stakes for sure high stakes stuff. we know I mean, we know that but we know Hellen that it is but hellenius hits i believe harder than tyson fury really 
Yes. And I believe that uh, the Hellenius that he's facing is the best Hellenius that has been in front of us. If you're right about that, Mm -hmm. and if Hellenius ends up stopping or knocking out Deontay Wilder, Mm -hmm. I don't know how he's not an overwhelming favorite against Andy Ruiz, just from what I've seen. But you got to prove that first, what you're saying. you got to prove that first and beat Wilder, uh, if that is the case. Certainly the two wins over Kovnowski would indicate that he can punch. Uh, and he's had other fights where we've seen yeah. that too, but I, that's a fascinating, that's a little top heavyweights.com. Put it out there, put it on the record. See what people think. You think Hellenius hits harder than Tyson Fury and you're not just willy nilly throwing that out there. You yeah, believe Tyson that. Fury is if Tyson Fury punches hard, he's a big guy, six, seven. Um, but I think that in terms of power, maybe not, speed of combinations because a lot of it involves speed and accuracy i'm not saying he's at that level but i'd say in terms of actual punching power i think robert hellenius punches a lot harder than people give him credit for and i think the way he's punching now and it's not see though a lot of those punches he hit andy ruiz with were not thrown andy ruiz excuse me um adam kovnaki the reason those punches were effective was because he was throwing them without finishing intentions they were flowing punches they were flowing combinations but they were plenty hard hard enough to back up adam kovnaki and break him down as we saw but i don't think hellenius really turned on the finishing uh, um, um, bad intentions punches that he's got uh, capability to unload he's got the capability so no i see him as a real dark horse he's becoming a darker horse every time he wins a fight that he's not supposed to win and by the way before the kovnaki pair he had won a few. In, I know there was the Washington thing, but let's just give him a break on that one. But he had won a few fights that he wasn't supposed to win leading up to all this. So I just think it's a mental thing. And most people who've looked at boxing and the history of it know, and the great champions have said, champions have said it's a mental thing as much as a physical thing. And I just think Robert Hellenius is in the right place mentally. All right. And, uh, and I think that combined with everything else and good physical conditioning... And a, and a belief in his investors and himself. Everyone surrounded with his team believes this is a potential fight to get him to where he wants to be. The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeatsBeets.com and save 15% with promo code DEAL. All right. And realistically, that's, yeah. realistically, the winner is obviously right there. We know that. So that's, yeah. I mean, that's what they've set up for. And again, it's no secret. Premier Boxing Champions is not going to have a press release or a big announcement. They want Deontay Wilder, Andy Ruiz. They have mm-hmm. wanted that. They want to set that in motion. Hellenius could mess that up. but He could. They, want, they wanted Kovnaki uh, Wilder. Correct. And Hellenius messed that up. Good point. Right. Twice uh, on that. Uh, Gerald Washington, you mentioned, was on the undercard and was uh, no, victorious. The non-televised uh, no, card pushing uh, no, the card. I think, right? No, I think it was Charles Martin. Charles uh, Martin. Uh, yeah. Forgive me. Charles no, Martin was on the non-televised undercard. That's why I have you here. It's Set okay. me straight. Go. It's fine. You know, uh, Charles Martin, it, he was on the non-televised card. I was able to watch that. It was uh, streamed live on YouTube. Uh, so you could watch it for free. And uh, nobody in the seats. But... Charles Martin got a workmanlike fourth round stoppage over a capable Devin Vargas, who's obviously not who he was, the former Olympian. Um, and it just gives Charles, gives Martin, uh, I give Martin credit for getting back in there, taking a fight, getting a win, fighting way down on the card, 
not getting the big spotlight, but getting back in the ring. He, you know, Charles Martin, when he's on, he's he's not an easy guy to deal with. And, uh, you know, we would acknowledge that Martin gave Ortiz a very hard time. And we would acknowledge that Ortiz gave Ruiz a very hard time. And we would acknowledge that Ruiz would most likely give Wilder a very hard time. So this, there's, there's, a, there's a place for Charles Martin. It's just a question of what his next move is. All right. Fair enough on that. Uh, all right, nostalgia. Sean yeah. with TopHeavyweights.com loves the nostalgia. Uh, this this heavyweight time period, uh, you know, over the last, let's say, week to 10 days in and around the podcast or right after the podcast is not rich. I'll, I'll say it a, uh, yeah. a, a polite way. It's not rich with great moments or big-time fights. There is one from back in the 1920s. That again is going way back, iconic involving Jack Dempsey. Share and, that real quick from the nostalgia standpoint. Yeah. Uh, Dempsey versus Furpo, uh, the famous fight where Dempsey was knocked out of the ring and managed to climb back into the ring and knock out Furpo. Still had to beat the 10 count, right? Had, had to, to beat the head up beat, and get back beat. in the ring before 10, right? Yeah, he landed in the media's laps. You know, I read stuff on the historical accounts. He landed on a typewriter, he landed and broke one of the typewriters ringside being literally knocked out of the ring by Furpo. It's a and famous... got back in the ring and then scored a knockout, correct? Yeah, yeah knocked out the big Argentine. <laughs> and uh, he, it was the Roar 20s. This was 19, I think, 23. And, um, and Dempsey, that picture of Dempsey being knocked out of the ring is been, has been you know, uh, captured many times in many different artists' interpretations. Uh, it's a famous picture. Dempsey was... Uh, synonymous with the era, the Roaring Twenties. It was a new time. It was a time of excitement. It was a time of drama. And Dempsey delivered, and he uh, dominated most of the Twenties until, of course, he ran into Gene Tunney. But even after, which brings us to our next subject in a way, Jack Dempsey probably made more money on the comeback fight, fight against Jack Sharkey and the return match against Gene Tunney than he had actually made before. In other words, he became a bigger star after he was heavyweight champion because people loved him that much. And, you know, the right. old expression, you don't know what you got till it's gone. So um, that back to Furpo. No, Furpo was a dangerous contender. Uh, he had beaten Jess Willard. Um, there was a history there. And uh, but Dempsey pulled it off and he, you know, he did that ferocious fighting style and finishing style that at the time, if you look at the heavyweight division before 1923, that type of vicious heavyweight exchange with that didn't happen before. Not like that. And uh, so... He was the, known as the Manasseh Mauler for a reason. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's, he's a legend. And he was smaller. He was undersized to go get closer to guys like you're kind oh, of yeah. talking about with Ruiz or a smaller fighter has to do, and he wasn't afraid to do it. Very MC. fast. I mean, that's the thing, speed. And he was, you know, just under 200 pounds. And I think if you're dealing with speed and enough power, and he had power... Speed and power and, and, of course, agility and ability and all the things that go with it, mental strength. I mean, I think I saw a quote by Jack Dempsey recently, not that he had recently made, but that was recently published, uh, where he said, um, fear, you know, he was talking about fear. We all feel it. Jack Dempsey said, I was afraid my whole life. You just get to a point where you get used to being afraid all the time. And all right. that's the way he was. And yet that made him a very dangerous man. Uh, Jack Dempsey, one of the legends, also around this time period was the death of Rocky Marciano, still remains as the only yeah. heavyweight champion to retire undefeated um, and, and died right around this time period in a plane yeah. crash. And in a in a bizarre footnote, he was on his way 
booked to uh, celebrate, he didn't know this, a surprise 46th birthday party the next day and uh, ended up having a a plane that was headed for Chicago or uh, or actually headed uh, from Chicago to Des Moines, Iowa, ended up crashing while family was waiting in Iowa to surprise him with a birthday party. So that happened around this time period uh, in history. And it took at the age of 46, the iconic Rocky Marciano while we're being nostalgic. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, he was a legend 49 and 0 uh, that um, that must have been a terrible thing for everyone who knew him. I know that uh, the funeral had, you know, Joe Lewis was there and there's apparently a quote of Joe Lewis looking up from the coffin and saying, there's a very nice man up in heaven right now and something along those lines. I'm paraphrasing mm-hmm. and Muhammad Ali was at the funeral Um it's not it's not a highly publicized thing rocky marciano didn't look for publicity outside of his fighting that's the way he was um but uh, a tremendous loss and he went way too young but i think uh, his 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 persona and his uh, his accomplishments live on um they do in my mind at least and i think for for anyone who considers themselves a heavyweight boxing fan rocky marciano has to be uh, held in the highest of regards no doubt. Uh, again, at age 46, uh, hard to fathom that, that Marciano had ro- had walked away just a few years earlier at the top of his game uh, and was never lured back. There had been talk no. that he might come back at some point, had never been lured back and then died uh, in the plane crash. He had just, so and, little... he had, and he had just done a computer fight, a computer video fight with Muhammad Ali. Uh, I should say at the time, uh, it was called thus, I think it was called the, um, I can't remember the name of it, but they agreed to do uh, hundreds of rounds of sparring that were filmed and then the computer put together a result. Da, 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 Interesting. Da. But there's some good photos of the two of them standing together and they became friends. And, um, and and Muhammad Ali always said that in the 50s when he was a kid, you know, he was listening to the radio and he heard heavyweight champion of the world, Rocky Marciano. That's, that's right. Yeah. I just looked at this. He retired at age 32, 1956 yeah, right. yeah. and yeah. stayed retired, obviously 13 more years, never took the lure to come back. Yeah. Even though there had been talk that he might do that, that's uh, it was called the Super Fight Marciano Ali, the computer simulation yeah. that had been done a month before his death. The computer yeah. simulation came out in July of 1969 when computers were much more primitive. Yeah. How about that, good good memory on the nostalgia with that, Sean from TopHeavyweights.com. Well, you know, it's a, it's a, it's it's part of the whole story, and I think the fun of heavyweight boxing is that you can really weave the whole story together. You, if you understand the backstory and you understand the challenges and the things that have happened in the past, you understand what's happening in the present and what what might happen in the future. And we'll talk a little bit about that uh, coming up because there's some things unfolding that I think to have a historical understanding of of the division and boxing in general. It helps one in determining what may or may not happen. So. All right, let's get into that now, because at the time we released this podcast, there is talk, and there's always lots of talking from Tyson Fury. So the chronology is Fury put out a social media video uh, back on Sunday saying, I want to fight you, Anthony Joshua. Okay, yeah. well, Fury has done that even recently with Derek Chisora, the journeyman English heavyweight, and they went back and forth playfully. You know, sign the contract. Uh, I'm not. You know, you got to go. Uh, what was Shasora's uh, uh, line to, to Fury? Go ask mom and dad. Go ask mom and dad, meaning Bob Arum and and Frank Warren, about whether you can fight me or not. So they went back and forth. Fury now puts out a video and says, Anthony Joshua, I want to fight you. I want to fight you next. Right, right. And it has now advanced beyond that. At least oh, yeah, yeah. Fury's promoter, Frank Warren, and Joshua's promoter, Eddie Hearn, are both confirming on the record there's been an offer. There is a tentative date for a Fury return fight. 
I thought Hearn in his interview on Wednesday as we released the podcast aptly pointed out, and he's done this for a long time, just because they have that date doesn't mean they're set on it being a no, fight no. with Anthony Joshua. No, no, there's nothing set. Let's could be, be Could nothing be somebody set. else, and they could be using Joshua as a ploy, but at sure. least both sides are confirming there's not only talks, but there's an mm. offer, an initial offer. All right, Sean, what's your yeah. reaction to all of this about a possible Fury-Joshua fight with Joshua fresh off the loss to mm. Usyk, his third loss in five fights? What mm -hmm. is your reaction to this? It's a new era in a way, I think there's a, there's a time to build it up and there's a time to rake it in. And I think that uh, it wouldn't surprise me if, first of all, Joshua lost a 12 round decision to Usyk. Did he get beaten up? No. Did he look terrible? No. Usyk had his number? Yes. Usyk is the unified heavyweight champion? Yes. But uh, I was thinking about the subject and I've been watching all the updates. I know it's 60-40 and they're talking about dates. And again, this could all be smoke and mirrors. This could all be done by Tyson Fury and his people just to raise his profile even higher. And I have to say, uh, I was talking to some people about it and Tyson Fury's name probably around the world now is becoming known to the point where it's Tyson Fury is known. I mean, he's, a, he's getting to that level where... so. My point is he's adding to that fire, but he would look at Anthony Joshua. First of all, he is a prize fighter, and he has admitted that his retirement was nothing but a ruse. He has mm -hmm. said it. There was, he fought last April, I and mean, he's fighting more often than some heavyweights, and yet if he comes back in November, we say he's returning. He never went away. Wilder never went away. These guys aren't fighting enough. They're not retiring. Fury never retired. I think the Ring Magazine really... Uh, they have to wonder what the heck they're doing because they've taken him out of their rankings. They don't have him as champion. He never retired. He's there. He's never gone away just because he went jogging down a street and did a, a video saying, I'm going away, boys, and all that other stuff. <laughs> I don't know why anyone would take that seriously. For real, it's a strange thing. Um, to me, he was simply uh, doing Tyson Fury. Now, if he sits down like Rocky Marciano and has a press conference, and you can tell if it's real, and he's giving up the WBC belt, and it's over. But he was never retired. So, right. He's, so he's not returning. He's having his next fight to defend the WBC championship. He just defended it against Dillian White back in April, end of April. And he's coming on uh, next with who knows who. Joshua would make sense. And the reason for that is because Joshua, and I was thinking about an example from the light heavyweight division going into the late 80s. Uh, Bobby Chez was a light heavyweight champion. He lost mm -hmm. the title. But even though he lost the title, he was the most popular light heavyweight in the division. And he got title shots against Virgil Hill, and he got title shots against uh, Prince Charles Williams. Uh, not be and he had lost them in a row. Uh, right. it, was, it was really strange. And I, at the time, I thought, that's rather weird. But they were cashing in on his big name. So I think there the you question, go. Right there. There's one thing cashing in on the name of Joshua and lucrative. And is it the case that Tyson Fury watched Joshua be beaten again? Uh, it was a closer fight probably this time. Mm -hmm. at least, it was at least, at least a close fight. But then he watched what went on after the fight where clearly Anthony Joshua was having some psychological issues about accepting defeat, et cetera, et cetera. Is Joshua, speculate here, is Fury here looking at Joshua saying, this is an ideal time to now have this fight. He is vulnerable. He is damaged from having lost to Usyk yeah. twice now. This is a great opportunity to have this fight from Fury's standpoint. Is that part of his strategy? What do you it's, believe? It's the part of every heavyweight strategy. I mean, 
every heavyweight and their promotional company is looking for ways to move their man forward with the least amount of risk and the most amount of money. And that's what they all do. And how can we blame them? So I just think that, yeah, some of those things could be true. Uh, Fury is also probably looking at a situation where he wants the biggest money and the biggest name and the biggest fight. And this can be made. And Joshua has a ticket to another title shot. I don't know. It could happen. Just because Well, the... I will just I will say a couple things. First of all, they have a December 17th date and Hearn was talking about this and I guess Frank Warren had confirmed uh, earlier they have that date held. Hearn says that it is for the Principality Stadium in Cardiff, Wales. I've done some research on that stadium and they've had a couple of championship fights there before. Mm-hmm. The interesting aspect, it's winter time obviously in the uh, in the hemispheres here in the northern hemisphere so uh you've got to be able to have an a facility that you can have at least some kind of climate control they can close the roof on that one it's a seventy-three thousand seat rugby soccer multi-purpose facility where they can close the roof so mm-hmm. that date and that venue makes sense hearn brought that up that they they have reserved that date for that venue in cardiff in wales in the uk But now back to what I alluded to and also talked to you about, that doesn't necessarily mean it's just Joshua. It could be another fight against someone else. It could maybe be trying to lure Usyk now, come fight me December 17th for the undisputed in that stadium. It could be any number of scenarios that we just don't know. Give me another thought on that. that, I don't think Usyk is fighting again this year. I think he's made it clear. He's not a big media guy. He doesn't say a lot, but what he does say, you can take it as being accurate he's interested in spending time with his family sure recover, recovering from some injuries and probably coming back in full new form as he would say probably in the spring or something like that um joshua he's shown that he's back in the gym i don't know i mean again it's all all i can say is that the joshua fury negotiations are real to what extent it goes beyond this we don't know Both sides have confirmed there's an offer. There's an apparent date. Fury, and this is good news, apparently is going to fight someone December 17th. And now we'll see who that is. he's, uh, he's He's got a menu to choose from. All right, we will find out how real that is. We have just about come to the end of another edition of TopHeavyweights.com, the podcast. Anything else in closing here, my friend, before we are gone? No, uh, I just on this think, edition. Uh, no, I think it's an exciting time. There's going to be, there's a real, if you look at the fights that are happening, a lot of the guys that are the B-sides on some of the big fights that are coming up used to be the A-sides on the fights that were happening a year ago in fights that were lower down and less competitive. So I think we're going to see a lot of evenly matched fights being announced and coming up in the next few weeks. Uh, watch out for Mac Madoff and Carlos Takam, which is on September 16th. That's an interesting fight. Uh, I don't know what Takam has left, but I think Madoff will be uh, tested for sure. Um, Joyce and, Parker right yep. after that mm-hmm. as well. Yep. And yep. then eventually Wilder Hellenius is looming as well as a couple of other intriguing heavyweight fights. Yeah. They can read all about it. The rankings, the schedule, all of it at topheavyweights.com. Plug away, pick up on that. Plug away some more on, on your site. Well, topheavyweights.com. It's your heavyweight boxing source. I think it's, uh, it, I think it's pretty good, and I think people are... Um, are, are finding it to be a helpful tool. And um, obviously, I'm checking out BigFightWeekend.com, looking at all the boxing world and seeing what's going on. 
we're all out here. We're doing our thing. It's an exciting time. Things will probably change by the time this podcast is being listened to. But let's just <laughs> let's just say let's just say that when it comes to Tyson are you Fury, saying Fury yeah. could have a video out later today that says that he is fighting uh, a polar bear on yeah. December seventeenth? Don't put no, it past him. Who knows? I, I honestly, I think that Tyson Fury could announce that. Okay, boys, I've retired again. Who knows what? I mean, I, I do think that. Um, Joshua has a big decision to make. Uh, he has to make a decision that is either financial or he has to make a decision which is career. You know, at the end of the podcast, you make a very good point. So let's let's stop right here on this yeah, yeah. because he's really got to think, I have made a ton of money. It is not about making more money right now. Right. And if I get in there, and I know that you don't want doubt to creep in, but doubts had to have crept in. You've lost three times in your last five fights, and there needs to be some realism. If we step in there on December 17th and Tyson Fury wins and wins convincingly, are we finished, finished for good? And how do we get into another big-time circumstance without winning numerous fights to get back on that stage? Yeah, I think I that has to be part of the thinking right now. Is it too soon to get back on that big of a stage without maybe a tune-up fight or something else, a confidence I think, I, I, I think it's a valid if, point. I think from a, from a, if you're dealing with Anthony Joshua as a future contender for the heavyweight championship, there's work to get back to where you want to be. I think he should fight five times in the next two years, maybe next year and a half, against opposition that is designed to rebuild his confidence allow him to rebuild his newfound skills that he may have gotten from the two Usyk fights and literally you know I, I could put down a, a chart of how I would do it but he's got to decide between that path which has risk and less financial reward than this path So, yeah, it's a big decision. He's got to come up with that. So I hear you saying without saying it, you don't know that it's that smart of a decision to get right back in there with Fury. Financially, yes. But in terms of what does your career look like for 2023, 2024? If you get in there with Fury and you lose, I will will say it right now. I will say it if this fight ever gets made and we start talking about it in the buildup. He's finished in the short term if he loses that fight. That he it, should almost be finished right now in the right. short term. So He's you, definitely finished in the short good, term. That, TJ, that's a good word. I love that word, finished. So is <laughs> is Kovnaki finished? Is he finished? Yes. He's fin- finished. He's, He's finished. finished. He's finished in terms of the biggest fights and the biggest fighters because I saw that fight with uh, Aaron Demerzerin, if I said yeah. it correct. Demerzerin, yeah. Demerzerin, excuse yeah. me. And he doesn't have anything anymore for anybody at the top level. Finished is the word I would use. If Joshua were to get in there, get beaten up and knocked out with Tyson Fury, I don't know that I go so far as finished forever from getting in there with anybody else. But on the biggest stage in championship fights, finished in the short term. And that's got to be a real consideration yeah. and yeah, concern. And I- because, again, it's not about the money for him. He has made in the neighborhood of $200 million, Anthony Joshua, over the course of the last four or five years. This isn't about, man, I got to go get that $20, $30, $40 million payday from Tyson Fury. I haven't had that before. I'm never going to have it again. That's not the case with Joshua. Yeah, but again, Joshua is a company. He has people working for his corporation, um, you know, the management company, and he's got promotional. So there's a lot of people connected to the Joshua business. 
Okay. And um, I think one of the things that's often overlooked is how much pressure the fighter receives from the people who are working for his business. Uh, you know, it is a business disguised as a sport. And um, if you're running a corporation and you can say, well, we can increase our revenue by about 75 million this year, plus we can do, well, whoa, 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 what about the sport? What about the athlete? What about, you know, what's right. happening here? And that's, and that's the great divide. Um, and you have to be careful. What are the motives of those people around you? Do they have your best interest in mind as far as, far as trusting them and as far as how much you're going to listen to them? Because they ain't the ones getting in the ring. And they yeah. ain't the ones that ultimately, if you get knocked out and you no longer have any marketability, that are going to lose their career. They might lose their business relationship with yeah. you and now go work for somebody else. So there's only to a certain extent. I mean, I, I, I come out of the world, and before we're gone, I'll just bring this mm -hmm. up. I come out of the world of professional sports, obviously, with the NFL, the NBA, et cetera. It's not boxing. It's not professional prize fighting. Mm -hmm. But there are advisors around all of these people that are big time athletes, big time money makers, and they're advising them about what to do with this business deal, this, yeah. that, whatever else, that is all predicated on whether or not the athlete can continue to succeed at the highest level and continue to make that money. That's kind of what you were bringing up. In this case, in this specific case, his marketability, his ability for future earnings, all of those things are tied into what happens in the short term here coming up in the next six months, in the next 18 months. I say again, you put him in there with fury, then all these people that have all these plans, his business stuff, clothing line, fitness this, opening gyms or whatever, all of that is greatly damaged, greatly damaged if he loses again. And that's a real risk. And it's a risk that Joshua is the one that has to take in the ring. Yeah. And ultimately he's got to, you know, I'm sure – that at this point there is soul searching on, I want to get back on the biggest stage and get it done, but maybe Joshua begs out of this. Eddie Hearn even alluded to that in his comments that Anthony Joshua could look this over and could ultimately say, not right now. Of yeah, course it he would could. Be and it would, be perfectly, could. it would be perfectly reasonable to say, look, I want to take what I've built and I want to refine it and I want to build up to becoming a better fighter. And that may take me five or six fights. I'm only 24, or I think that's how old he is. is it Who, Joshua? Yeah, no, no. 25. No, no, Joshua's 32. Oh, 30, sorry, 31, I'm getting, 32. I'm getting, sorry, my apologies there. He's almost 33 years old, and um, that's not too old, but it's not too young. So I think he's right on the line of making Realistically, he's yeah. got three or four quality years probably left. Oh, Fair? absolutely, absolutely. So, if, he, if he plays his cards right, but... With the wrong fights and the wrong you decisions, go. you can burn out really young. That's a great way to end the podcast. We're not burned out on this. We're not. Uh, we want you to read topheavyweights.com. We want you to follow, subscribe, find us, rate us, and review us as well in the Big Fight Weekend podcast feed. We come out uh, very regularly. Did you have fun going over all of this? And oh, we'll we see what happens do. coming up in the heavyweight division. All right, TJ. I think that was a good uh, a good wrap-up of everything. A good spar back and forth. There is Sean from TopHeavyweights.com. I am TJ Reeves. Thank you for being with us. Follow or subscribe on this podcast feed, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you uh, find your podcast. Just get us on the Big Fight Weekend podcast feed. And when there's a new one for TopHeavyweights.com, the podcast, you'll know it automatically. For now, we are good. As the heavyweight news and fights happens, we're back around with another TopHeavyweights.com, the podcast. <laughs>